So here at All Souls, the Nicene Creed is at the center of our life together. It's this ancient statement of faith that is the common glue of our community. Whatever disagreements we might have, those are the truths that bind us together in love. Those are the hills that we've decided to die on together. And if we're honest, there is almost always a temptation to approach the creed as a list of statements for us to check the box on or as an entrance exam that might earn us a badge or sticker for believing the right things and kind of hand us a stick to ward off the people who don't. Or even just as some version of Christianity 101 that we kind of master and graduate and move on from so that we can get to the deeper, more serious stuff. But that was never the heart of the creed. And the Nicene Creed is not a spreadsheet of research data points we've collected in our ongoing search for God. It's not a schematic of our dissections of the divine. It's a testimony to the beating heart of God's own self-revelation and the ways that he's revealed himself to us. It's been endorsed and handed down to us by faithful believers over nearly 2,000 years. This great cloud of witnesses that extends from the apostles of Jesus to recently deceased grandmothers, and all of them kind of saying, yes, this is the God of love who's revealed himself to us and who will raise us from the dead. So don't lose this thread. This is, this is it. And as we gather to worship together at All Souls, we also follow the church year or the liturgical calendar. And early Christians had this idea that the rhythm of the year gave a unique opportunity to retell and really reenact the story of redemption, the story of God. So they found ways to tell that story through seasons and holy days, times of feasting and times of fasting. It's this creative, redemptive gift that we've inherited through the same bloodlines as the creed. And there are ways that the liturgical calendar serves almost as a tour guide through the meat and potatoes of the creed. It takes us by the hand and it walks us straight through the most mysterious and fundamental realities that are at the heart of our faith. The incarnation, the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost, the second coming, the new creation. And the church calendar will not let us get away with walking through the articles of the creed like a series of museum exhibits. It's not ultimately interested in conversations around, excuse me, are you intellectually convinced of these facts? Please check yes or no. Instead, it begs us to slow down and to enter into the story, to sit in all of its tension and strangeness, and it grabs us by the chin again and again to say, hey, if these things are true, if this is the mystery at the center of reality, is this the story that you're living out of? Are you bending your life and your love in this direction? Is this the God of love that you're banking on? Have you let this story and these mysteries work their way into your bones and to the core of who you are? And part of the reason that the church calendar exists, part of the reason the creeds exist, is that so often for us and for God's people from the very beginning, the answer to those questions has been this resounding, belly-flopping no. We're short-sighted, we're forgetful, we get distracted, we get drawn into other stories almost daily. 
And this Sunday, the whole calendar flips over. The whole story starts over again. And December 1st is New Year's Day in the church year. It puts us square in the first Sunday of this season called Advent. And to be honest, Advent is a really difficult season to do well and to fully take in. It is not a warm-up round to the rest of the year. It's more like a lead-off batter that comes out, guns blazing, hell-bent on waking us up to this wide-eyed panorama of all of history, past, present, and future. So this first Sunday in Advent, which this year, like it often does, falls on the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. And it's all about the sky ripping open and the moon turning to blood and the second coming of Jesus. And that is quite the shock to the system after a few days of bloating and turkey and football. And for this first Sunday of Advent, we actually have a unique opportunity. We're going to sit in the scriptures associated with this first Sunday of Advent. We're going to take our first steps into the mysteries of the season and the expectation that it requires. And we're going to enlist the help of a string quartet. And there's nothing on earth like a string quartet. So I am excited and grateful that we have this chance to really in in our discomfort with silence and in our inability to be still, we get to lean into the hospitality of a string quartet that will make it okay and beautiful and engage all of our senses as we sit there and just chew on these scriptures and preparing our hearts for the season. So whatever you can do to be there on Sunday night, I shamelessly beg you to come and be in the room. And the other three Sundays of Advent are, are also about the end of time, but they, they also point to prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. And in these four Sundays of Advent, we're, we're mostly in this time of waiting and expectation. And on one hand, that's about preparing for the first coming of Christ as an infant in a manger, not pretending that he hasn't come, but preparing our hearts to actually take that in and celebrate with great joy and feasting that he came. And then on the other hand, it's about the coming of Christ at the very end of the age. And so purple is the color of the season, and you'll see it on the Eucharist table, and it's the sign of both royalty and repentance. And it's an acknowledgement that the coming of this king calls for both regal, royal celebration but also this reflective time to repent and prepare for his judgment. And during Advent, Christians are typically called to to fast, repent, to take on special spiritual disciplines. And maybe that means saying no to certain meals or certain foods, or maybe it means taking on more of a calendar fast and cutting back on busyness, saying no to certain forms of entertainment or whatever else takes up your time, and instead carving out time to be still and to pray, to commit to devotional reading. These are the kind of things that we do during Advent, and this fasting is about making space in our hearts and in our souls and in our time and space for the coming of Jesus, basically to avoid Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts and us telling him that there's no room. And again, underneath 
all of these things underneath the liturgical calendar and these seasons is this plea for us to slow down and to enter into the story. And this season really takes on huge chunks of the Nicene Creed. So before I spend a few minutes talking to Doug, I just want to end this <laughs> rant with a selective reading of, of the lines from the Nicene Creed that every year we really want to lean into during Advent. So here it is from the Nicene Creed. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So again, I invite you to lean in to those mysteries, lean into this season. Come next Sunday and let me go get Doug. Hi, Doug. Hello, Matt. Happy almost Advent. Yeah, thanks. As we as we start to head into Advent, as we prepare to prepare mm-hmm. and stop to take stock before we jump into Advent, I wonder if you could share a little bit just about where we'll be going as a congregation, kind of in the services, sitting in Scripture this year. What's our what's our focus going to be as you teach and Walk us through. Yeah. Uh, I've really come to look forward to this season. It it might actually be my favorite part mm. of the church calendar. It's it's become kind of a retreat at All Souls in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's about waiting. And this year we're going to wait with, uh, with Mary. And each week we'll take a different part of the Mary story uh, that you can read about in Luke in just look look at what it was like for her to say yes to God's word and and wait upon its fruition. And as we do that, what are what are some of the ways that we can wait with Mary? What are ways during the season when everything else is kind of bustling and at higher speed than normal as we travel and shop and Try to get all the things done. What are what are some ways as a congregation that we can mm-hmm. slow down and wait with Mary in this season? Oh yeah, that's such a good question because the season in the in the calendar of our world is obviously very very hectic and holidays and bills and fundraising and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so this is a, a time really to be uh, kind of counter cultural, or I, mm-hmm. I heard someone talk about a counter narrative. Uh, that I think we need to be rather intentional and not just let the secular calendar uh, rule us. Mm. And to help us with this, um, Laura Cottrell is putting together a, a devotional, and I just saw the first draft yesterday. It's got some art in it, and she's a very wow. gifted writer. It's really beautiful. 
And uh, actually, each day for five days after the Sunday of Advent, she's going to uh, written a devotional uh, with with some journal prompts mm-hmm. based on the text that we studied on Sunday night, and uh, we'll send them to the congregation um, early Monday morning. And I think it would be really fun for us uh, as a whole congregation just to be sitting in the passage together during Advent. So I think that'd be a good way to start. Yeah, that's really great. I don't know, for me, the calendar can get so busy this time of year, I almost have to calendar my waiting, almost have to Mm -hmm. set aside that time on my calendar. So I think even as we anticipate those devotionals coming out and the gift that's going to come into our email box, it almost makes sense to carve out 15 minutes or 10 minutes, go ahead and put that on the calendar with expectation that that's going to be there or else for me, I'll end up reading it as I walk from one place to another or um, in a hurry too much to really respond to journal prompts or to really know what's going on inside myself. So I think that's a, it's a huge gift to our body to kind of have some help daily to sit in the story and to, to have some help looking at ourselves in this season. So I hope that, I hope that people can set aside that time and lean into that gift. You know, we, we talk about being a slow church and Mm -hmm. I do think there's something holy about that. I, I, I think one of the most, uh, redemptive, uh, countercultural moves we can make in this season is just to say, you know, I'm actually not going to let the mall tell me how to live my my life. Um, uh, I'm actually going to be ahead of it, and I'm going to be intentional, and I'm going to choose some things that will help me be centered and grounded during the season so I don't hit January just kind of empty and uh, fat and in a lot of debt, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I've... I've actually made this a holy season. Um, so I think we can support each other in that. Yeah. Um, I think, too, there can be a tendency in this season to to go it alone. It's kind of a season mm-hmm. where we talk about family and being together and all those things. But there are so many things that happen that we kind of push through it on our own and then yeah. wake up next year. And so I think if you can't carve out 10 to 15 minutes in the mornings – you can grab some other people from our body or neighbors, grab them over dinner, kind yeah. of walk through some of these questions and devotionals and yeah. just being intentional and having conversations where we're actually walking through this together. I think yeah. that's something I'm excited about. Kind yeah. of, and even just the preparation and hospitality of mm-hmm. having people over and opening up some of those deeper mm-hmm. longings to one another. Exciting, and and gets on the calendar. And... <laughs> yes, you know, well, one real practical thing that that we're doing. Um, Advent, of course, comes at the end of the fiscal year for most mm-hmm. organizations, and ours too. And um, you know, as we shared, we're a little bit behind budget. Um, but uh, this year, we're not going to talk about. Um, giving or our end-of-the-year financial needs um, in Advent. So I'll talk a little bit about it in the service this Sunday, Christ the King. Mm-hmm. But then we're just going to – our people are good people. They they love 
the Lord. They love His work, and we'll just trust that um, they'll be praying about it. But rather than kind of focus on the uh, the, the financial things at the end of the year, we're just going to kind of stick with um, the rhythm of the Mary story. I, I was taking a peek at Laura's uh, devotional, and I love uh, one of the opening lines. She says, the season of Advent is a time of waiting, wondering, and holding space for the mystery of God coming among us as a baby. Waiting, wondering, and holding space. Mm-hmm. And I love that phrase, holding space. Um, all souls holds space. Uh, we hold space for our neighbors to come in and do their own work with God. We hold space for our children to explore the bigger story of the gospel. And we hold space for our own souls, weary and aching and longing for the transcendent to, I don't know, return to the still point of the turning world that we find ultimately in the mystery of God. And we abide in this space, and then we go into the city to seek her peace. So I like to think of all souls like an urban monastery, um, holding space for people so they can go out and live an incarnational life. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. We're about $20,000 behind budget as we head into December, and we do have a savings account, but you know, if we have to touch that, we'd rather do it for you know some of the expenses on the new building. So uh, just before we head into Advent, I just want to uh, throw this out. Um, would you consider making generosity to all souls a part of your spiritual practice this Advent? Will you Will you help us hold space and... Give the gift of an urban monastery to our city for another year. Yeah.